Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Let's try that again. Say hello, Pastor Mike. That's that's better. I'm super glad that you guys are tuning in. Uh, for those online, for those of you who are here in person, it's always better to be in person, is it not? You're probably tired of hearing me say this, but if you haven't checked out your app, download the app, please do so. There's lots of new features. We're continually experimenting with it to try to put helpful resources into your hands. Uh, there's also a way for you to support our ministry financially. Many of you are doing that, so thank you all through the app. Well, today we're gonna talk about a, a subject that may or may not be uh, relevant to some of us. I recognize that the conversation we're gonna have today isn't gonna hit all of you, but for some of you, I su- suspect it might. We're gonna, today we're gonna talk about the, the reword, which is called revenge, revenge. Church, I want you to think of a time in your life, uh, if, if you can, maybe when you were hurt by somebody, maybe as a kid or maybe even more recently as an adult. Can you think of that time and, and maybe specifically think of maybe an experience when you had the thought about maybe getting even or perhaps hurting, hurting back? You know, I would submit that many of us are competitive by nature. Would you agree with, with that? A lot of you are involved in sports, and so I think a lot of us just have this natural wiring to, to compete, to maybe try to defend or defeat or maybe uh, kind of, you know, conquer another person. And when I think about this, this competitive nature that many of us have, I would submit that that same natural proclivity to, to just, you know, in a positive way, uh, to compete or conquer another person is closely related to this whole desire to retaliate or to seek out revenge. And so here's the big idea uh, for our conversation today. If you're taking notes, write this down, and that is this. Revengeful desires hurt me. So personalize that. We think about revenge. Today we're going to talk about how revengeful desires hurt me. You know, as you might suspect, the Bible has much to say on the subject of revenge. In fact, for you uh, Bible students, there are 37 different specific Bible verses that really reference revenge or the word, the whole idea of retaliation. Now, we're not going to unpack all of those words, uh, verses today, you know, which are somewhat, these verses are somewhat used interchangeably, revenge, retaliation, but we are going to unpack a few of them. And the first one that I want us to look at today is, comes from the book of Romans. And so if you have a Bible, whether it's in paper or digital form, turn to Romans chapter 12. Now, I'm, I'm making an assumption, but let me just have a teachable moment here. If you, if you use your app and you go to the, the notes section, you'll notice that underneath the places where you can fill in blanks, David will always include the reference of, of the passages, typically of what we're going to talk about. And if you just click on that passage, it will open up 
to the verses so it's a, it's a simple way to, to follow along with what, we're, uh, what I'm talking about. So this is what Romans chapter 12, if you skip down to verse 18, this is what we read, 18 to 21. It says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So who are we supposed to try to live at peace with? With everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. <clears throat> Dear friends, never take revenge. So when are we to take revenge? Never. Do all that you can to live in peace with, help me out, everyone, the Bible says. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, does it surprise anybody? Really, this Bible verse suggests that God gets angry. Does that surprise anybody? You know, friends, when you were wrong, when you're taken advantage of, when you are cheated or treated rudely and disrespectfully, I submit that such actions upset God. Such actions against you makes him get a little hyper. And if you've gotten a little hyper when people are wrong, know that uh, have a wrong against you know that God feels the same way but check this out God says leave the revenge to me so point number one write this down when it comes to revenge trust God to resolve things trust God to resolve things in fact I want to suggest church that we honor God when we trust God to resolve things now is that always easy to do to do to leave things in the hands of God yes or no no, right? Is it natural for us to let God, to really let things go and trust God to make things right? If you've ever been wronged, it's not easy, is it? In fact, it's hard. In full disclosure, I think it's a natural reaction for us to want to hit back when, when we ourselves are hit. I think it's a natural reaction to put up our defenses, maybe to pull out our weaponry, when, when people do, wrong, do us wrong, so to speak. So thy, why then does God ask us to leave revenge in his hands? Have you ever thought about that? I think that one big reason why God wants you and me to leave revenge in his hands, and maybe some of you have learned this firsthand, whether it be in your own life or maybe for your observation in other people's lives, is that a revengeful heart is self-destructive. Anybody attest to the truth of that? Revengeful desires hurt me. Proverbs 26, verse 27 says, if a man digs a pit, he will fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on who? On him. So if I dig a hole for somebody to fall into, the Bible says, I'm ultimately gonna be the one that falls into that hole. Or if I set up some kind of a scheme to get back at somebody, ultimately, Bible says that that scheme is gonna come back on me. Translation, retaliation is self-destructive. In fact, that's a good phrase to write down somewhere. Retaliation is self-destructive. Revengeful desires hurt me. You know, when Jesus walked here on this earth, <clears throat> We can read how one day he was interacting with one of his friends, uh, Peter. Peter was one of his best friends, certainly in the top three. And, and most of you know that Peter, Peter was a, a fisherman. He was a blue-collar, roll-up-your-sleeves, get-her-done 
kind of man. He was impulsive, but he was also loyal. And, uh, and, and, and what's interesting about Peter, when you, particularly when it relates to his friends, like Peter's the kind of guy that you want in your court. He's the kind of guy that you want for a friend because he was loyal. But what's interesting about Peter is he also had a, a bit of a temper when it came to defending his friends. And if you remember the story in John chapter 18, we're told that Peter actually cut off the ear of some guy who was trying to, who was basically threatening Jesus. Remember the story, Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's all these soldiers come up and Peter whips out his sword and he lops off the guy's ear just because they were coming upon his buddy, Jesus. Now who doesn't want a friend like Peter? I went, seriously. Years ago, we had a, one of our elders, our teaching elders here in our church was a guy named, by the name of Mike White. And you could tell that Mike White had lived just a hard life just by looking at his face. I mean, there was no question. The way he stood, the way he, he could just know. And, but the, the, the moment that I fell in love with Mike was early on in, in he, he had visited us at, at, at our church when we were meeting at Costa Mesa High School. And he said to me, Decker, you would be amazed at how easy it is to remove a guy's ear from his head. It's just cartilage. And I went, you're a guy I want to have in my posse. Anybody ever, by the way, removed anybody's ear from, no. Sounds kind of fun though. I can see Bargus doing that. That's a positive, that's a compliment, Mike. Well, in, in Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, we can read about a conversation that, that Jesus had with, with Peter one day. And Peter asked Jesus this question in verse 21 of chapter 18. He says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How often should I forgive somebody who sins against me? And then he asked seven times. And according to the Jewish religious law of that day, if a person wronged you, you were only required to forgive them three times before an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was allowed. And so really when we read Peter's question to Jesus, his offer of forgiving someone seven times were over and above what the religious expectation of that day was. In fact, you would be a superstar if you forgave somebody seven times. But what was Jesus' response, do you remember? Verse 22, he says, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which is what? 490. Those of us who have been out of high school for a while, we forget our math, but it's 490. 490 times. Translation, Peter, you just keep forgiving. You just keep holding a loose grip on revenge and trust God to revolve, resolve things. Now hear me on this. No one ever said that being a follower of Jesus would be easy. But being a follower of Jesus will produce a fruitful life. You know, brothers and sisters, remember that one of the purposes of the church, one of the purposes of why we gather in a place like this and why we gather midweek in, in people's homes for Bible studies and, and, and whatnot, why we gather for coffee or do things together for fun, is to help each other to lean on God. It's to help each other trust that God's going to work in our situation. Because when we lean on God, we will thrive in a, this fractured world. You know, I know you've heard me say this all, you probably hear, you hear me say this all this time, but God never intended for you or I to live in isolation. 
That's one of the greatest weapons of the devil is, is when we start to go through challenging times, a lot of times we, because of our pride or, or whatever, we just don't want to bother people, we kind of move into isolation, and that's when the devil wins. That's when the devil kind of begins to, to, to take over. God never intended for you or I to tackle life alone. And this is especially true when it comes to revenge. We need each other's help to hold a loose grip. This past Thursday night, I was at home watching March Madness. Everybody know what that is? March Madness, is, it's a basketball tournament in college hoops, and uh, it's religious for me. I don't watch a lot of television, but when it comes to March Madness, I like to watch the games. And so Thursday night, I was sitting down to, to watch a couple of the games, and I got this phone call from this, a friend of mine who lives in Minnesota. And uh, he and I have gotten to know each other over the years, largely through the motorcycle industry. He, he works in the motorcycle industry. And so about the only time I ever see him is when I'm at a, a you know, traveling and I'm at a show and, and, and whatnot. And so, but we'll occasionally uh, check in. And so I saw his, his number came up, and so I knew I had to pick it up. And so I grabbed it. And he said, hey, Mike, uh, he said, are you doing anything? And I said, no. And he said, you have time to talk? And, uh, and I lied again because I was watching March Madness. And I said, uh, yeah, you know, I certainly have all the time all the time you need and so I got up from the, the, my recliner and went outside so I wouldn't be you know distracted and he said hey I just want to let you know I just finished listening to your podcast that you just uh, released that Beto just released this afternoon and he said I knew after hearing it that I, need, I, I need, knew I needed to call you because what you had to share was exactly what I needed to hear and, and, and we talked and we talked for a, a, a a very long time and, and, and uh, about a lot of different things, but the, what I want you to, what I, I guess the message I'm trying to communicate today in this illustration is that, you know what his, his phone call to me represented, don't you? It represented the church. That's the church in action. You check in with me and I check in with you and I think, you know, we, we, we talk about this all the time that the church is not a building, but the church is what? It's people. You are the church. I am the church, right? God wants us to live in community. And so when we call each other and when we check in with each other, I submit that that gets God excited because it's in community that we can help each other to live fruitful lives. So turn to your neighbor and say, we are a team. We're a team. Friends, we're a team. Now, I understand that what I'm sharing today is probably super obvious to, to, to most of you, and it certainly sounds obvious, but when it comes to revenge, we're going to dial in a little bit more. This might be a message that some of you need to hear today. God wants you, and he invites me to trust him, to trust him to help resolve the pain and the conflict that might be a part of our life story. God wants you and he invites me to lean on him and to lean on each other for his strength and for each other's strength so that we can offer people generosity when all we want to give them is what? Our fist. And I think Jesus' friend Peter must have learned how to let go of, of sort of revenge and retaliation. I think we can argue demonstratively that he probably grew in his capacity to forgive somebody 70 times 7 because later in his life he wrote a letter to a group of Christians who were living in the, the, the kind of the country of Asia, if you will, the area of Asia, and to them he said this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Let me read it. 
He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, he says, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he might bless you for it. What, is that what he said? That is what God has called you to do, and he will think about blessing you for it. No, what's he say? God is what, that's what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. Friends, when we offer people generosity instead of our fists, when we offer people, when we hold our tongue instead of letting it rip, the Bible says that we will be blessed. Point number two. Generosity catalyzes a personal return. Generosity catalyzes a personal return. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, that both revenge and generosity have a boomerang effect? Y'all know what a boomerang is, right? It's one of those... Australian, I guess, it a, could we call it a toy or a weapon? And that when you, when you throw it out, what happens? It comes back to you, doesn't it? So apparently, the Bible teaches us that when we throw out revenge and retali- in retaliation to somebody, guess what comes back? Revenge and retaliation. But when we throw out generosity, what comes back? Generosity. God says, whatever you give people, it will, God in in sense, will return it upon you. So revengeful desires will hurt me, but generosity will also reap a personal positive blessing. That's what the Bible teaches. Peter also says this in chapter 2, verse 12, which is just the chapter before these verses. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will honor, they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Translation, write this down, point number three. Honorable behavior spiritually transforms. Honorable behavior spiritually transforms. A loose grip on revenge will spiritually transform not only your heart, But the Bible says that when we have a hold of loose grip on revenge, it will also spiritually transform the heart of our perpetrator, the person who has wronged us. Well, you say, Pastor Mike, that's exactly why I'm holding on to my regret. Because the last thing I want for God to do is to bless that person, right? Not after they've done what they've done to me or not after they've done what they've done to, to my loved one. I don't want that person to experience God's love. If anything, they deserve to burn. And if you feel that, feel that way, I'm not condemning you. I think if you feel that way, that is an honest, transparent, authentic response when people wrong us. Yet, I invite you to consider that a revengeful heart will do personal damage. There's no way around that. Now, friends, hear me clearly on this. Hear me very clearly. In no way am I suggesting that it is easy to let go of a situation when you have been wronged, especially when you have been violated. 
This past week we were talking in our Bible study. Kirk was, was just asking, we were, some of the guys were saying, there was a, they brought up this report, you know, where right now there's a lot of people breaking into their cars and stealing stuff. Apparently steering wheels are a big thing right now in some Chevrolet, Chevy cars. But the guys were talking about how when they were in high school, they had um, Kirk and Sean and some others saying, yeah, I had my stereo stolen out of my car. And it made me, it, I, was so, I felt so violated. In fact, one of the guys says, I didn't even want to drive my car anymore. Well, that's, that's pretty innocent because some of us have been violated a whole lot worse than a stereo. So please don't hear me. I'm not suggesting that or even saying that you shouldn't feel bad about that that situation. I'm not suggesting that you don't have a right to, to be angry and to feel angry maybe towards someone who has betrayed you, but what I am suggesting based upon what the Bible teaches us is that revengeful desires will hurt you. But if you dare to trust God and if you dare to hold a loose grip and offer grace and forgiveness of instead of retaliation, the Bible promises, promises that everyone wins. Everyone. You know, we, we, we talk about this too around here. The happiest people in life are not the givers, or not the takers, they're the givers, right? And I'm not talking about giving of retaliation. I'm talking about giving of forgiveness and giving, of, giving away of yourself. God says, let me handle it. God says, if you'll dare, he says, let me deal with the wrong that's been done to you. Let me carry that burden that you're carrying. Friends, again, I recognize that today's message might not be for all of us. Maybe not even anybody here in, online. Maybe it's only for people who are watching. Maybe not just us in the auditorium. But here's what I, here's what I want you to hear today. For those of you who would say that you are carrying the burden of revenge, that you are carrying a burden of anger, that you are carrying a desire for retaliation, no matter how subtle it might be, will you trust God to settle the score? Today, will you invite God to resolve and heal? I'm gonna close with this story. Years ago when I was a young pastor, I'm an old pastor now. I just turned the big 6-0. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. I'm in the club, everybody. Not all of you, but a few of you. Years ago when I was a young pastor, just starting out in ministry, uh, I would often have members uh, from our congregation. I was on staff at a couple churches, but particularly here in town at Harbor Trinity, associate pastor, uh, and people would come and visit me in the office. Uh, most of you know I have a master's degree in counseling, and so in, in that particular season of ministry, I was the guy who people would come when they needed some counseling, when they needed some advice, when they needed some, some help in navigating whatever situation they were dealing with. If they had a problem, I was the guy who people would come and talk to. And being a, a trained professional, uh, and really more than that, just being a, an encourager, I would listen to people's stories. And 
And as our conversation would conclude, you know, the person would get up from their chair, they would walk out of the out of the office and you know go on with their day usually feeling better as a result of our time together but as a young pastor I began to realize that after every conversation that I would have with with someone with every burden that people shared with me I recognized that no matter how professional and objective I tried to be a little bit of their burden stayed in the office. A little bit of their hopes and dreams, even positive things, things they wanted to take place in their life stayed with me. Their burdens became my burdens. Their dreams and hopes became my dreams and hopes. And all of that sounds uh, rather innocent, but I, I, I began to recognize over time that I started becoming ineffective and really unfruitful because I was loaded down with what I call people's monkeys. With people's monkeys. Now, you couldn't see these monkeys, but they were hanging all over me. And the weight of carrying people's stuff began to cause me to, it really began to stifle me. I started to recognize I'm not as happy as I used to be or joyful or what happened to that sense of humor that I used to have or how come I'm so short with people when I get behind the wheel in my car and you, you, know, you know the behaviors. And it didn't take me very long to, to, to recognize and, and to realize that as a young pastor, I needed to change my rhythm and somehow learn to give people to God and let him carry their pain. And so what I, what I did is to sort of help me remember that as I, uh, and I've told some of you this story, you probably are familiar with it. I, I printed out and not too big, but in big kind of this, this sentence and I, and I nailed it or I taped it to the wall by my desk that I would look at before I would have meetings with people that basically asked this question, have you taken your monkey with you? So if someone was going to come into my office and we were going to have some counseling and I knew it was probably going to deal with whatever, marriage or you you name it, I would, before they would walk in my office door, I would turn my head to the right because it happened to be on the wall here next to, to my desk and I would look at that to remind me I'm not in the monkey carrying business. But you know who is, don't you? God is. God is. You know, while my Christian responsibility does involve me listening to people and affirming and encouraging and supporting people, life had also taught me that God's shoulders are far bigger than my own, and he taught me that he's a far better monkey carrier than I will ever be. So church, I want to encourage you to remember and celebrate today that God's in the monkey carrying business, and he invites you and me to let him carry our burdens. He invites you and me to let him settle the score. You know, the friends, the Bible teaches that the desire for revenge is a dangerous monkey to carry. Let me say that again. The desire for revenge, the desire to retaliate is a dangerous, smothering, joy-robbing burden to carry and over time if we if you let it if I let it that desire will it will destroy you so here's my challenge today 
Will you leave your monkey with God? Will you give God your monkey? Now, when you came in the auditorium today, those of you who are here, you should have received a monkey. Does everybody have a monkey? If you didn't, there's some monkeys back on the coffee table, the hospitality table. I encourage you to grab one if you don't have one. But David's going to come up right now, and he's going to lead us in a time of reflection. And, and as he sings, I just want to invite you that if you have a burden that you are carrying, this is between you and the Lord. If you have a monkey or a desire that's weighing heavy upon your, your heart and your soul, I want to just encourage you as a faith gesture, while David sings and plays and does whatever he does to help us in this reflection time, to come up here to the front, I'm going to put this little mason jar up here in the front and for you to just drop your monkey in the jar. And then, for those of you who feel so compelled to say, God, I'm offering you my monkey. Um, I kind of want to get it back, actually, but, you know. I do want to invite you that if, if for some reason God chooses you to, to, to drop your monkey, and I hope, hope none of you are carrying anything, but if you do, when you leave today, make sure you grab another monkey. But with that monkey, I want you to put it in your car, your, your visor. I want you to put it on your desk. I want you to put it by your toothbrush. You put it somewhere where you will see it every single day to remind you of the truth that God is in the monkey carrying business. And it's not for you or for me to seek revenge because revenge will destroy you. It will destroy me. But let that monkey, wherever you put it, serve as a reminder that God's with you and he's got it and that you've given to, it to him. Maybe if you're really carrying something heavy, maybe you need to carry this around in your pocket all day and just to remind yourself, God's got this. I recognize again, this is not, message is not for everybody, but if it's for you today, Will you today take that first step of faith? You know, maybe you're angry about something that someone has done against someone you love. Maybe it has nothing to do with your own life, but you're just upset right now. You know, I don't know how the war in, in Ukraine and Russia is impacting some of us, but maybe some of you are upset at somebody and you don't even know who you're upset at. You just know that you're just angst right now. Maybe that's your monkey. Whatever it might be, if God so leads you, would you come and would you? Offer it to him. We make miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Working in this place. I worship I worship you. 
God's spirit is always moving. You know, you've made a decision today to make this hour to be, to spend with me. More than that, you've made this decision to spend this hour with the Lord. And it's our desire corporately to grow. And so for those of you, it looks like most of you, a lot of you dropped a monkey in the jar words of my friend Steve Warble, good on you. Well done. And let's trust the Lord that as we every day just take that step to say, God, will you carry this monkey? Know and believe that God is going to return his favor on you. And, uh, and according to scripture, it's going to have a ripple effect. The Bible says that when we, when we offer people love and grace and forgiveness and generosity instead of maybe what people deserve or what we think they deserve, it, it's a witness. Peter said it's a witness to our unbelieving friends. That may be the very thing, thing. Your lack of response, my lack of response, and God's activity in that person's life may be the very thing that helps them realize, wow, I want what they have. So join me for a closing prayer. Lord, as we give you our monkeys today, we pray that you will in fact move, not just in our own life, because we certainly want our lives to be fruitful. But we also pray for those who have hurt us. Hurt people hurt people. And so if we've been hurt by somebody, there's a strong chance, God, that they themselves were hurt by somebody. And we pray that maybe even the simple gesture of us letting go our desire to loosen our grip just a little bit, Lord, will be something that will, you will use to bring healing and, and uh, life-giving love into the person who is in the business of hurting others. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out your favor upon every person here today who exercised the, the step of faith to offer you their monkey. I pray that you would pour out your favor upon them today them to experience the joy in their heart that maybe they don't even can't even tangibly articulate but yet it's there to go wow I just feel lighter today Lord we give you praise we give you permission and we look forward to the way that our lives are going to be fruitful Lord because you promise us that it's in Jesus name we pray everybody said why don't we stand in and sing last time? Sing it together. We make
Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.